Or we'll just see when I'm sharing. But we'll see because there's a lot to cover. But we're going to get in the Word of God because the best place I can take you is to the Word of God, right, Waverly? And look at heaven according to the Word of God and according to the Lord Jesus Christ. So starting in Genesis 1, start in the beginning, it says, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and the evening and the morning were the first day. And God said, Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And it was so. And God called the firmament heaven. All right. Here's two instances in the beginning God created heaven and earth. So you may have here two heavens. I'm not saying, I'm not even saying you do, but you may. But the Bible speaks of heaven, of the heaven of heavens. I think Paul said he went into the third heaven. So, so again, we're going to start dissecting some of these. But here, if I define what the Lord is speaking of, here in heaven, it said that the wa- he separated the waters from the waters. Well, the one group of waters he called seas. And how many could possibly agree that that could be the oceans, the seas that we ride boats on? Or go put our feet in? Could we agree to that? Right? Maybe the other waters be the clouds that pour down the rain in the natural so he divided the waters from the waters <clears throat> and the firmament that divides the waters he called heaven. So that thought, just that thought there, and I'm not saying that's all that thought, but that thought there would put heaven as the expanse between the oceans and the clouds. Now, in another place, he put the stars, the moon, the sun in heaven, which puts it in the sky. So if you come on down there, he said, I'm not going to read all that this morning. I'm not going to teach on all that. I just, I'm just putting out some thoughts, and then we're really going to get into heaven is my throne. But here in the beginning, when God created the heaven, he placed in the heavens light. Darkness, remember what was up on the earth? Darkness. That the earth was void and full of darkness. And God put lights in the heavens. So Genesis 1. God fashioned two great lights, the larger light to shine during the day and the smaller light to shine during the night as well as the stars. God placed them in the sky. This translation says sky instead of heaven. In the sky to shine on the earth to shine both day and night, and to distinguish light from darkness. And God saw how good it was. 
the twilight and the dawn were the fourth day. So you can go through and read this. I don't mean to read all this. But even what I was quoting to you earlier in Psalms 8, again, the writer in Psalms 8 says, When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, thy heavens, the work of thy fingers. So, so why am I doing this? Some of what we talk about heaven is the natural sky, sun, moon, stars. Now, they're speaking of a spiritual truth. But I want to establish some of this by the Word of God. In uh, Got myself out of track a little bit, but Deuteronomy 26.15 says of the Lord here in Deuteronomy 26.15 says, Look down from thy holy habitation from heaven and bless thy people Israel and the ground which thou hast given us as thou swearest unto her fathers a land flowing with milk and honey. So look down from what? Thy holy habitation. Where's God's holy habitation at? From heaven. Now Isaiah 65. Flip over to Isaiah 65 verse 17. It says, For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and former things shall not be remembered or come into mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem to be a joy. The King James says rejoice, and her people to be a gladness. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad in my people no more shall be heard in it the sound of weeping and the cry of the distress. We'll stop right there. So he says, by Isaiah, I create a new heaven and a new earth. Now turn over to Revelation 21.1. In Revelation 21, verse 1, and this is the Apostle John, he wrote, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. So John saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first earth, heaven, and the first earth are passed away. And the sea is no more. And, and now what did he see when he said, I saw a new heaven and a new earth? Look at verse 2. I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of the throne saying, Behold, hear this, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And he shall dwell with them and they shall be his people and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And I'm trying not to go into preaching right here. I'm stopping myself because I want to read some things. So I'm really doing a lot to control myself right here. I am restrained. So I'm not going to go there today, I don't think. Let's flip over to Matthew 13. But we're going to get there. Matthew 13, 24. 
Another parable set he before them, saying, and I'm not going to read all this, but read all Matthew 13, the parables of the kingdom of heaven. But another parable set he before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven, hear that, is likened unto a man that sowed good seed in his field. I'm just going to stop it there. But the kingdom of heaven is likened to a man. The kingdom of heaven. Notice this. The kingdom of heaven. I saw a new heaven. God's going to create a new heaven. God created the heavens and the earth. God's habitation is heaven. Notice, notice all the scriptures that we look at about heaven here. But read all of Matthew. Give yourself an assignment and read Matthew 13. Revelation 14 and verse 6. And then I'm going to read one more and we're going to get into heaven is my throne. But Revelation 14, verse 6 says, And I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to proclaim to them that dwell on the earth and unto every nation, tribe, and tongue, and people. So here in Revelation 6, there's an angel flying in the midst of heaven. I think one translation may say in the midst of the sky or even the midst of the air, but the midst of heaven. And this angel has the everlasting gospel. What is, now what, what you've got to ask yourself, what is the everlasting gospel? Okay. Is there another gospel beyond the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ? Or is that the everlasting gospel? So does that angel have the ministry of the everlasting gospel? Now again, I'm not going to get into all that today. I'm throwing some things out. Ephesians 2. But God, being rich in mercy for His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead through our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. King James says, quicken. I start verse 2, 4. I meant. Chapter 2, verse 4. I said first. Yeah, chapter 2, verse 4. But God, chapter 2, verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy for His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead through our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace have ye been saved and raised up with Him. Not just saved, but raised up with Him and made to sit with Him in the heavenly places. In, where are these heavenly places at? In Christ Jesus that in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace and His kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, that no man should glory, for we are His workmanship. Remember, God's going to create a new heaven and a new earth. We are His workmanship. We are His creation. Created where we created that, in... Christ Jesus, for good works which God afore prepared that we should walk in them. Now I'm going to stop here. I could go on and on with verses about heaven. Like I said, we're going to go through a number of them for the next period of time, if it be the Lord's will, and I believe it is. He's been thundering in me. It's been like thunder. And this next verse has been like a thunder just going off inside of my heart. Isaiah 66.1. Isaiah 66.1. Turn there. Heaven 
is. Thus saith the Lord, the King James says. I'm reading out of American Standard. Thus saith Jehovah. Heaven is my throne. What does it say heaven is? My throne. And the earth is my footstool. What manner house will you build me? And what place shall be my rest? For all these things have my hand made, and so all these things came to be, saith Jehovah. But to this man will I look, look even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit, and that trembleth at my word. So heaven is my throne. What's a throne? His, his seat of rule. And the earth is footstool. In, in other words, and I, and I dealt with this before in regards to Israel. But in other words, if I look at it even without regards to Israel, in other words, the heaven, God has rule and authority. God is contained in heaven and earth. Like people have believed God's way up in the sky somewhere. More pieces. God is in heaven and on earth. Heaven is strong. So if you look at, at it in the natural realm, and you look at all the sky, the universe, the stars, the moon, the sun, the clouds, heaven is strong. And the earth is his footstool. So all the earth, I don't care if it's the United States, China, wherever, Heaven is strong, the earth is physical. Now, now, to me, a lot of this applies to Israel, but just in the, in the natural, in Psalms 139, turn to Psalms 139. I ain't ready to tackle this yet, but we're going to look at it. In Psalms 139, it says, verse 7, it says, Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I go from your presence? If I ascend up into heaven... Thou art there. So where's God at? In heaven. If I make my bed in Sheol, the King James says hell, if I make my bed in hell, behold, who's there? Thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, Surely the darkness shall overwhelm me, and the light about me shall be night, even the darkness hideth not from thee. But the night shineth as the day, the darkness and light are both alike to thee. So, so the psalmist says there, If I go into heaven, behold, God's there. If I descend into hell, behold, God's there. 
If I go out into the depths of the sea, behold, God's there. So in other words, there's nowhere I can go away from the presence of God. Nowhere. And when you go, and we, we, we've looked at this many times with Jacob, when you, and I won't, won't read it this morning, but it's in Genesis 28. When you go and look at Jacob, and Jacob lays down and has the dream, and people talk about Jacob's ladder. Uh, uh, I probably said this on another CD, a rock star song a few years ago about Jacob's ladder. But when Jacob came from his dream and he saw Jehovah standing at the top of the ladder and Jacob awoke from his dream and he was afraid. And why he was afraid was he said, Behold, God is here. And this is none other than the house of God and the gateway of heaven. Now, he was dealing, Jacob was dealing with where he was, you know, in the natural sense. But Jacob had this terrible dream that God was right there where he was at. That God wasn't 3,000 miles away, far away up beyond the moon, far away beyond the sky. Jacob come to this reality that, Behold, God is here. Jehovah is here. And I, he said, And I know it not. So that reality hit Jacob, that God is right here, right now, and I did not know it. This is really the reality that's here up on the earth right now. God is here right now, and man does not know it. Until there's an encounter, how, how did Jacob come to know it? He had an encounter with him. When he had an encounter with him, Jacob's reality changed. It all came through an encounter. And the encounter brings a very present help. Like we, we love to quote that when we're in trouble. He's a very present help. But we don't get that. He's very present. Is that part we don't get? We, 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 look, at, we look into the hills from which cometh my help, right? But he's a very present help in the time of trouble. And maybe our emphasis should be on he's very present. He's right now. Right here, right now. This morning in the song service, when, when you were feeling the presence of the Lord, who was that? That's the Lord. That's how close He is to you that you can feel His presence and know He's real. So if I ascend into heaven, God is there. If I make my bed in hell, David says, God is there. So God, where, where can you go and not be around God? Nowhere. But see, the concept that's in our mind is we can't. The concept of religion that religion has taught us is God is way away and we're down here on earth and someday we'll know God. That's the concept of religion. That's what most Christians believe. i believed it for years. So I'm not just trying to pick on everybody else. That was what I believed. God's 
up there. I've got, I've got the Holy Spirit in my heart, or I've got Jesus in my heart, but someday I'm going to know Him better. He's far, far away from me. But when Jacob had Jacob's dream, the reality was God is here. God is right now. I can't get away from that, Sister Shirley. A very present help. Present help. God is present help. So, so bringing our minds back to heaven is my throne. What does he mean, his throne? What does he mean, his throne? When he ruled in Israel, how did God rule? By the law. So his rule was by the law. If you take the book of Deuteronomy and read it, I know it's in your Bible, but if you take it and read it and look at it, you'll see over and over and over God told Israel, if you do this, you keep my law, you keep my word, you keep my commandments, I'm going to bless your field. I'm going to bless your homes. I'm going to bless your crops. I'm going to bless everything about you. Everything about you is going to be a blessing if you keep hope. Then he said, if you do not keep my word, but you go out pouring after other gods, he says, I'm going to curse. I'm going to curse. My Christian said, God doesn't do that. And I said, well, have you read your Bible? Go read your Bible. He says, I'm going to go. Everything about you is going to go. He said, I'll fuck you up and root you out of this land I gave you. And he says it over and over and over again. In fact, he told them, their heavens would be like brass. And I believe the earth is iron. I believe I'm saying it right. Or maybe not just right, but it's going to be. In other words, it's not going to produce nothing. And that's going to be his judgment upon them and primarily for serving other gods. The primary reason, when you go back and read it, was, was it was over serving other gods. What was the primary, what was the primary reason you know, Jerusalem was destroyed when you read your Bible. If they were worshiping false gods, they were saying, like, like this concept is in Christianity with the natural Jews, that they were just going along and obeying God and doing everything God wanted and so on and so forth. No, they weren't. No, they weren't. If you read through the book of Kings and the book of Chronicles, you will find over and over the kings of Israel and the kings of, of Judah were worshiping false gods. It actually started with King Solomon. And through King Solomon, the kingdom was divided. And you had the two kingdoms. And it would tell you, one king came in and he would tear down all the idols of Moloch, all the false gods, all of these, these this idolatry that was in them. And that's how their heart became far from God, is they had given themselves over to false gods to gods that speak not, know not, that are not, and not kept God's Word. Now what does that sound like today? 
I know God's Word's not the Mosaic Law, but what does it sound like today when we have a group of people coming out and saying, well, that, that born-again stuff is no more. What are they not keeping? They're not keeping God's Word because God put it in force. So His throne, His dominion in Israel was the law. And He ruled them by that law. He took them out. You know, we read this, as a people to Himself. He brought them out to Himself. He didn't just bring them into the land of Canaan We've read this over and over again, and, and, and for time's sake, I'm not going to read all the Scripture, but when He was bringing them into the land of Canaan, it says He was bringing them to Himself. So He brought out a people out of Egypt, out of bondage to Himself, and He gave them His Word, His law. And He made a covenant with them with blood of animals. And during that period of time, he told them again, if you keep my word, I'm going to bless you. If you don't keep my word, I'm going to curse you. In fact, what's set before you is life and death. Choose life or death. Choose my word or death. That's what he said. Now, how does this move into today? Because we're not in under the old law. We're not under that covenant. But what we're under is His Word. So, listen to me. And I, and I called on this. Jesus said, Matthew 24, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not. And, and again, if I look at heaven as His throne, as that administration of the law, and not as a physical geography right now, not telling you there's no place to go to after you die, I'm not telling you that, but I'm saying look with me at the Word of God. If I look at that idea that heaven is my throne, and then I go to Matthew 24 and I look at heaven and earth passing away, that first heaven, that, that throne, that dominion that was based upon the law of Moses passed away the cross. That judgment seat that was in that temple passed away. You don't have it anymore. You don't have a high priest going into the temple with the blood of animals, putting the blood on mercy seat anymore. It passed away. To be no more. And Hebrews says that Christ coming, the high priest of good things to come. And of a better blood and a better covenant. So he comes of good things to come. So now God's judgment seat is the work of Christ. Is the cross. That's his judgment seat. That's his throne. That's what he rules on. Is the work of Christ. So the first part of that work of Christ 
receiving him. And that's why this thing raises, I, I believe, raises so much up in me when I hear a bunch of people talking that you don't have to receive him. It just stands up in me because his throne is based upon the blood of Christ. <coughs> his throne. He rules on a throne. And when I go in the book of Revelation, again with the thought, heaven is my throne. In the book of Revelation, what do you find? I think Revelation chapter 4, what do you find in the midst of the throne? A slain lamb in the midst of the throne. So, so the rulership of that throne is not a slain animal. The rulership of that throne is a same land. So now you have a throne that God is moving out of that is based upon the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the new throne. In fact, I believe you could go as far as to say that's the new heaven and the new earth, but I, I like to say I just want to Good about through here because you know, I, I believe in fact the old heaven and the old earth was that people that was under that mosaic covenant and that was the old earth and the old heaven was that administration that was his throne, his rule. And now you have a people that are under a new covenant and you're under a new throne and a new rule. Glory to God. You're in a blood that speaketh, as Hebrews 12 says, greater things than that of Abel. And I'm sorry I'm not reading all these verses, but I've kind of got out of it for time's sake. So, so you have a judgment seat. See, see, uh, see, when I say God's going to judge me, that judgment can be good or bad, and it is with us. Okay, and, I'll, and now let's explain. Turn to Hebrews 12. And this won't be the first, or I don't believe this will be the last one on heaven is my throne. So this is the first. Hebrews 12, verse 18. says, in Hebrews 12, verse 18 says, You are not come unto a mount that might be touched, and that burn with fire, and unto blackness and darkness and tempest, and the sound of a trumpet, and the voice of words, which voice they that heard entreated that no word more should be spoken unto them. For they could not endure that which was enjoined, if even a beast touched the mountain, it shall be stoned. And so fearful was the appearance that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. But you are come. Where you come? To Mount Zion, and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. Okay, let's stop here. We read earlier in Revelation, John saw a new heaven and new earth. He saw the heavenly Jerusalem coming out of heaven from God. The writer in Hebrews says, you are come. Not coming, not going to get there, not someday it's going to appear. But you are Come, and we'll, and we'll look up these Greek words. I haven't looked them up to be fair, but we'll look them up, all right? 
So we'll even go further. We'll look up some of these Greek words here. But you are come to Mount Zion. Now, how I've said this many times. How did I get to Mount Zion? The natural Mount Zion is in the Middle East in Jerusalem, or near Jerusalem. Did I get on a plane again and fly to Israel? No. So how did I get to Mount Zion? How did I get there? Because it's spiritual. I got there by the Spirit. You are, you've come to Mount Zion to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable host of angels or company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God the judge of all. Who? God the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect. Now stop right here for a moment. The spirits of these men are made what? Perfect. How did they get perfect? God judged them perfect. And then read verse 24. And to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel, see that you refuse not him that speaketh for this. If they escape not when they refused him that warned them on the earth, much more shall... We not escape if we turn away from him that warneth from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth, but now he had promised, saying, Yet once more will I tremble not the earth only, but also heaven. And this word yet once more signified the removing of those things that are shaken, as of things that have been made, that those things which are not shaken may remain. And wherefore, receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken... A heavenly kingdom can't be shaken away. Let us have grace whereby we may offer service well-pleasing to God with reverence and all, for our God is a consuming fire. All right. Now, coming back to this part, to God the judge of all and the spirits of just men made perfect and to Jesus the mediator of the new covenant. How the spirits of just men are made perfect is through the mediator of the new covenant. See, the mediator of the old covenant couldn't make them perfect. See, Moses, did Moses mediate the old covenant? Please. Did he mediate between God and Israel? Was it Moses that was the mediator that came and mediated because Israel said we can't? Moses, we're afraid. We don't even want to hear his voice. We exceedingly tremble. So Moses went up to God, came down with the words of God, sealed them what? With the uh, blood of animals. Anyway, go back and read. So now we come to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and God judges you perfect. A little bit better judgment, ain't it? A little bit better judgment than what was in the old covenant. Spirits of just men made perfect, complete. Because you were not complete in the first. There was no completion. That's why the high priest here, year after year, showing, you know, typifying the sacrifice that Christ was going to offer because he could never complete them. 
He could never rid their conscience from sins. Their conscience, their mind, their inner man was always going to regard the guilt that man had before God. But Jesus entered in how many times? One time. And sat down forever. Having made complete those that believe. That's the judgment. So you come to a judgment. Ye that hath the Son has life. Because God's still judging by His Word, but He's judging by the Word of Christ. He that believeth on me, Jesus said, as the Scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of the blood. So now the judgment is out of the words of Christ. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son hath not life. That's a judgment. And the judgment is, is Christ in you? Because if Christ is not in you, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, they are none of His. Now that judgment doesn't end here, folks. See, but, but I want you to see that that's a judgment. And that judgment set in force by the, by the words of Christ. He set them in force. Before you didn't enter to, you didn't come into God by Jesus. Before you come into God by sacrifices and offerings under the law. But when He come, He brought a new word. He put in force a new word. And it's in force. And the reason it's in force is He died. He lived a perfect, sinless life and died the death of the cross. And He not only died, He rose out from the dead. So not only did He die for your sin, He administrates the covenant. So He's also the administrator of the covenant. It's like God said in the old... In the old, I think in the old covenant, I think it's written in the, in the Hebrews too. He he can swear by no greater, so he swore by himself. In other words, I'm going to do it myself. As great as you are, Moses, you can't bring this about. So he come himself, lowered into man, and died the death of the cross, and raised up from the dead, and ascended on high. Glory to God, that he might fill all things. So now we're in this covenant. So judgment, Peter says, begins work at the house of God. Right? Peter was talking about this wood, or cement, or whatever it is. There's wood here somewhere. Peter was talking about that. Judgment begins shall begin at the house of God. Who's the house of God? You are. Christ as a son over what? His own house, whose house you are. So judgment begins at the house of God. And the judgment that's placed there is the slain lamb in the midst of the throne. Glory to God. What a judgment. So that slain lamb, that sacrifice of Christ, is, is you, you know, if I could say it, the beginning judgment day. If any man come to me, I will in no wise cast out. But there's a condition. It's not unconditional. There's a condition. 
If any man come to me, I will in no wise test him. He that believes in me shall not perish but have everlasting life. So that's the condition that's placed in this new covenant. The word is godly, all right. In thy heart, in thy mouth, the word of faith which we preach, that if thou, that if thou, now the word's not me. So, so whether you confess it or not, guess what? It's not So it's not you. The word is not me in thy heart, in thy mouth. So it's not you, the word of faith which we preach. But I have to go, I don't just say it's not you, I have to go on and say that if thou confess with thy mouth, you've got to confess it and believe in your heart that God raised you from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Amen. So go read Romans 10. So, so you have that judgment set forth in the earth. And now there's a people that want to skirt the judgment of God. You can't skirt the judgment of God because He set it forth. Jesus set it forth. Jesus is still Lord. Someone else didn't become Lord. He's Lord. And so now we're judged by Him. And if I receive Him, I'm judged righteous. That doesn't mean everything I do is righteous. That means I'm just righteous by Him. So I come in union with Him through believing Him, through receiving Him. As many as received Him gave He power to become what? The Son of God. Again, a condition, those that receive Him. So the condition is that I must receive so here's a condition laid out in a judgment that if I receive Him, He gives me the power, the right to become a son of God. So, so now the judgment continues. And I, and I can't say all this today, but I just want to put it in your mind. The judgment that starts with receiving Christ doesn't stop. Because it begins to be a judgment in your heart. It will judge our works. We, we, we don't want to work together. We like a religion that doesn't judge our work. That's what we like. But it will judge our works because it's a slain lamb. And see, that slain lamb doesn't allow any flesh to glory in the presence of God, right? No flesh shall glory in His presence. Well, so if we come into His presence, guess what we want? We want to be like Abraham back there and say, Can Ishmael live before you, Lord? And that slain lamb says, no. He's not the son. So this judgment comes. And it's a judgment that God cut off the first man. Circumcision comes. See, a circumcision of the heart, not a circumcision in the flesh. But a circumcision of the heart, cut, which the circumcision of the flesh spoke of. A cutting off the flesh, cutting off of the old man, cutting them off. So God cuts off the old man. 
So now as this judgment begins to sit in us, it's going to cut off the old man and purify us by the fire of God. Because God is a consuming fire. How'd you like that? They're running through the consuming fire now. He's going to burn up everything of you. What were you got? Every wicked thing in our minds he wants to consume. And the brightness will disappear because the judgment starts to work. At the house of God. What, 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 what is the power of What? The Lord himself shall come to his temple. The Lord who you seek shall come to his temple and he shall set up as a what? Refiner's fire. So we're at in the temple, in the house. You are the house of God. As God said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. I'll be their God and they shall be my people. See, God's people should, should jump up and down with joy for this because God dwells in your midst. God doesn't dwell 